So tonight I wanted to have us focus on what it means to be content in Christ. Uh, in my studies of, of looking through what it means to be content, um, of course, I had to look up the definition because I'm not that bright. And so I, here's what I come up with uh, as contentment being defined as showing satisfaction or being satisfied with the way things are. And uh, I, know, I know the struggle. I know the struggle of being content at this age, at this, this stage of life, 20-something. It's, that's a difficult task. Um, there, there was a, a study done at uh, UC Irvine where they, uh, they uh, surveyed 1,500 individuals between the ages of 23 and 74. And now the, the survey was on contentment. And what they found was discontentment sets in at the age of 13. And, and out of these individuals, majority of individuals do not become content until they're in their 70s. So that means if this survey is true, ain't nobody in here content. I don't think anybody over 70, right? No? Um, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, a, a issue, a serious issue that we face in our society. Being discontent is an issue that I want us to address here tonight, and I want us to move forward in what it would be like for our lives to be hidden in Christ. First John 2.16 says this, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The idol of discontentment has plagued our culture in such a way that it affects our everyday living. We're no longer satisfied with the jobs we have. We're no longer satisfied with the, even the cars we drive. We're not satisfied with our relationships that we're in. That's why we're bouncing in and out of them like we had a double Dutch convention. We're not satisfied anymore. And I can't even, I can't even start with social media. I can't start with IG and, and all the rest of them. Every, every time I look at my news feed, it's like watching everybody living this vacation lifestyle. And I know the tendency to look at that and say, man, they, they got it going on. They are living the dream. And looking at that, those, those posts and, and the commercials that they feed us from TV to these social media ads, it only fuels our discontentment. So tonight, I want us... Like I said, we're going to look into what it means to be content in Christ. And, and I, my prayer is that we tonight would be individuals that would seriously look at ourselves and answer the question of our contentment. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to come together as a community and to be able to have these discussions, God, and, and be able to address these issues that our society is, is uh, throwing our way. Would you help us in this moment, Christ, to, if we have an ear to hear and a heartbeat, God, would you do what only you can do, and that is change and challenge and motivate and strengthen us, God, into your image to live out your mission and calling on our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, real quick, talking about 
discontentment. Um, four or five years ago, uh, I was able, uh, one of my buddies got married in, in, in Florida, in Tallahassee, and uh, he asked me to do um, the portion of in the ceremony. It's called uh, sand ceremony, where to get the two to combine in one, and that means that their love is eternal, and it would never, nothing can pick it apart, and so it was all great, and I was so excited, right? But the first thing I said to myself is, this is a perfect opportunity for me to do a little bit of shopping so me and my wife can be on fleet. Does anybody know what that term means, fleet? Anybody know what that term means, fleet? Yeah, 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 so we can be fire, so we can be hot. We, we can be that couple that everybody go, mm, they got it going on. And so I'm looking and kind of getting these ideas of what I can dress or how I can dress and, and for my wife and all this other stuff. And then I have the, the Hercules of ideas, which is I can now get my dream pair of shoes and have a, have a legit reason to get the shoes. Y'all want to know what my dream pair of shoes are? These are the Space Jam Michael Jordan 11s. For those who don't know anything about these shoes, these are the shoes of shoes. These are the shoes that make you feel like you can be like Mike. These are the shoes that gives you that extra boost of energy to be able to conquer whatever's in front of you. Right? No, wrong. They're just regular shoes. But, but for all my, my years growing up and watching basketball and watching Michael uh, Jordan, of course, like, I, I, I just, I, I got to have these shoes. So I started looking at ways to, to, to get these shoes. Of course, they weren't selling them. So I had to, look, I had to go online and, and look these shoes up and try to find them online. And so I'm doing that and going to these different shoe websites and everything. And I come across some. And, and they're kind of in my price range, so I'm having a conversation with this guy. And so we, we exchange, and, and, and we say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We do it online. I do it. So, uh, but I'm, I'm just wanting to double check with myself because I got to tell my wife, uh, give her a specific reason for me to spend this kind of money on these kind of shoes. So I'm going and I'm looking and making sure that this is the lowest price I can find. And lo and behold, the guy that I'm doing the deal with, I see on another site, he got the same shoes, same picture, same shirt. The price is lower. Right. I'm saying, wait a minute. This dude trying to get over. So now I'm, I'm all bubbled up. I'm hot. I got, to, I got to make a phone call to my bank and all this other stuff. So I think I have it all figured out. I think the bank has canceled out that deal, and I get the shoes or whatever, or make an order for another pair with another dude. Turns out, a week later, the bank hadn't got it cleared up. And I bought the, these, these from someone else. Tied up my bank account, y'all, $700. No, I don't have no money like that for no shoes. Not, that's not me. So anyway, I, I'm hot. I'm livid. I, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm just, I'm in this uproar. And, and then to make matters worse, or better, um, the, the, the guy's dad, he, a week before the wedding, he says, you know what, Shannon? I want you to have this. And he pulls out <laughs> this Armani tuxedo. Hey, man, I want you to have this because you're going to be doing, playing a special role in my son's life, and, and I want you to have this for his, for his wedding. And I'm thinking, I can't wear no Jordan 11s with no Armani tux. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And so, 
I was fully aware that those shoes could only provide a temporary satisfaction and I still was let down. The thrill was over. My count had doubled. This dude almost got over on me. And the only thing I was left with was feeling unsatisfied. Every human heart struggles with being content. No matter what your age is, your gender, ethnicity, whether you're married or single, we all wrestle with contentment. So tonight we're going to look through a few passages. We're going to look at a, a, a thank you note that a man by the name of Paul wrote to a church in Philippians while he was sitting in a Roman prison awaiting his possible execution. And we're going to take a look from his eyes of what he thinks contentment in Christ looks like. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Philippians 3, excuse me, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, we're going to start in verse 10 and work our way through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation that I'm, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I want us to kind of back up a little bit. Um, like I said earlier, this is a, this is a, a letter that Paul had, is writing or had written while he was in prison. And the reason he was in prison was because he was preaching the gospel in, in a, in a, in a uh, temple in Jerusalem. And, and the people didn't, didn't like that. Matter of fact... <laughs> Uh, if, you, if you go to Acts 21, you can check it out on yourself. Uh, uh, a riot broke out, and, and, and Paul was arrested, and, and they, they, they tried to kill the man on sight. And a whole stadium full of folks was up in arms at Paul. Uh, yeah, so read it on your own. There's a, there's a dude in there, some other guys in there. Uh, Two Chains, I think, is in there too. So just, just check it out. Um, it's a great story and great read. Uh, but we pick up in verse 10 now, and, and we see this unusual response unusual response that Paul has of being locked up. He says, I rejoice. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you, were, you had no opportunity. The, the Philippian church was able to revive their concern for Paul by sending him a financial uh, blessing, if you will, by the name of um, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a member of this Philippian church, and on his journey to Paul, he almost died. Um, and you can check that out in, in, in Second uh, uh, Philippians chapter two, verse twenty-five. But Paul was thankful for the, their generosity, and here's why: his motivation for for his rejoicing it was was in the opportunity for them, the church, to have the opportunity to be givers, because the word says it's better to give than receive. So Paul is rejoicing over that. That's where his motivation lies. And, and, and now we're going to uh, switch our attention to um, the, the rest, the two verses that I believe Paul is sharing the importance in Christian values of, of contentment. 
And I'm going to make two observations. And the first one is this, that contentment is a learned behavior. If we look at verse 11, it says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This statement is made possible because Paul had the choice to make that when he went through these, this, this process of life's ups and downs, these, these mountaintop experiences and these valley low moments, he had a choice to not let those moments prevent him from, from being content. Contentment is a choice and a decision that we make over a period of time that allows us to learn how to be content. And we see this at the beginning of, 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 the, of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. In, in the creation, in the creation story, God creates Adam into his imago Dei, his, 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 to be an image bearer, be like God. And, and, and Adam and God are walking in this garden hand to hand. Adam is no longer, is, is not thinking of anything other than the being with God and doing his will. But, but in it is just a short chapter later in chapter 3, we, we see the enemy comes on the scene. And, and Adam and Eve, they, they allow the enemy to counsel them into deception. They, 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 they allow uh, the enemy to whisper the things that, that they know not to be true, but they still gave ear anyway. Which leads to their discontentment settling in their hearts, producing a rebellious outcome that we still feel the effects of today. My... Uh, my first year at NAU, uh, I was playing uh, play football at NAU from, from 2002 to 2004. And the first year I get there, um, I, I'm sitting in my locker room, in, in my locker, and I'm I'm just I'm, I'm sitting and I'm uh, and I'm I, I'm gonna be honest, I, like I was I was crying and I was I was so overwhelmed with joy that this 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 kid from Tallahassee had had earned a scholarship and and was able to play collegiate football and, 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 and had, a, had my dreams coming true. Um, when, I was, when I first started playing football, um, my first game in organized football, my mom ain't know anything about cleats. So all through practice, I'm wearing my regular like tennis shoes that I wore to school. And um, the day of the game, my mom had to go to uh, Goodwill and buy me some, some cleats. They were actually sh- soccer shoes, but nevertheless, when I put them on, I still get them kids to business, you know. <laughs> So, so, so I'm, I'm out there doing my thing, and, and, and as I got older, um, my parents, they, they started recognizing, okay, he's, he's okay, he's, he's all right. So we're going to start buying his cleats for him brand new when we got to high school. So um, from, from Pee Wee, Junior League, JV, Varsity, um, I didn't start getting, like, brand new cleats until I got to, like, around my, my junior, senior year in, in high school. And, and then when I got to college... I had to call my mom. I said, Mom, you won't believe it. First day, they gave me not one, but two pair of shoes. They gave me, they, they custom fitted us in these tailor-made uh, uniforms. Um, I, I, mom, this, we, we made it. We made it, Mom. Mom ain't in there, but I'm just, to me, you know, we made it. And, 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 and so I am, I'm thrilled. I am overjoyed. And then we play our first game against some regular school in Tucson. Um, <laughs> 
I, I walk in that stadium, and I'm like, man, what in the world? They got, they, their stadium is twice the size of NAU Stadium. Everybody in their mama, and I mean it literally, has got on Nike stuff. And I'm like, God, Nike socks, Nike wristbands, Nike gloves, Nike visors. To those who don't play football, um, they, are, they are wearing the nicest quality uh, equipment so that they can perform to the, the, perform to the highest level of, of, of performance, if that made any sense. So they... They had all the Nike stuff, and I'm looking at my uniform like, first of all, I, I look, and, and, and it has uh, sport text on it. Anybody ever heard of that company? Right. <laughs> man, our locker room all janky, man. I'm looking at their stadium. My stadium is trash. <laughs> and, and at that moment, like Adam, the voice of the enemy started whispering to me, man, you could do that. You can be there. And deception started setting in, and it was only after I almost lost my scholarship that I recognized the blessing that God had given me, had, had, had orchestrated from the beginning of time and provided for me the opportunity to fulfill a dream. And I almost let that, that slip away. That, that is the problem with discontentment. It creeps in at the most unforeseen times. It, and it'll, it'll go deeper in your heart to places you never thought it would go, longer than you ever thought it would be, causing you to do things you never thought you would do. So that, at that moment, that, 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 when, I lost, when I almost lost my scar, that moment helped me realize that I had a choice to make. It helped me realize of a, of a choice that I had to make when it came to being content with where I was at. So my first observation, again, is that contentment is a learned behavior. And, and my second observation in verse 12 is that the secret to contentment is hidden in Christ. Verse 12 says this, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here Paul is speaking of how he had to adjust throughout his, the course of his ministry in order for the, the gospel to go forward and be spread out of being brought low to abounding in, 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 in frivolous ways. Those moments allowed Paul, first of all, teachable moments, and second of all, one of the greatest teachers of life is learning how to be content in those high moments and those low moments. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27, you, you don't have to turn there. I'm, I'm going to just kind of give a, a highlight, if you will, of Paul's low moments. It says this, uh, that, that first he was, he was shipwrecked. Three times. And on one occasion, he spent an entire 24-hour period in the ocean waiting to be rescued. He was beaten five times separately with 39 lashes each, giving us or him a total of 195 times this brother had a whip, stick, 
something cracked across his, his body. He was stoned and left for dead in Acts 14. And in Acts 19, he was preaching and a riot broke out and a whole stadium full of folks was after him. John Piper, one of my favorite authors and, and, and pastors, um, who has a uh, website now called Desiring God, he has this incredible quote that I, 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 I try to live my life after as well. He says this, that, that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. And, and, and Paul was able to suffer all these afflictions because he recognized the sovereignty of God who allowed him to go through those moments for his namesake. But Paul also knew how to abound. He knew how to be content when the times were good. Paul planted churches all across Asia and Europe. He was invited by Barnabas to preach and teach at Antioch, where the first church for the Christian faith was planted. He led whole families to Christ. He had a world-renowned first-class education that gave him a broad understanding of divine history. And as a tent maker, he used the money that he would earn to support himself instead of asking the churches for money. And through it all, Paul was able to remain content with his life hidden in Christ. There was no room for pride and arrogance, just a Christ-centered motivation to expanding the kingdom. And this is why he urges the believers in the book of Philippians to be saturated with joy. He unveils portions of this secret through his letter. He encourages them 16 times in four chapters when he uses words like rejoice or, or joy to describe what our state of mind should be as Christians. 2 Corinthians 4.17, I think we can have that for the screen, says this, that for this light momentary affliction is preparing us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension or all comparison. God doesn't waste a moment, folks. And, and I, I think we need to hear that clearly, 710. He doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste your high, high moments. He doesn't waste your low moments. He doesn't waste the moments that you think you can't be redeemed from. He doesn't waste those moments because can I tell you something? Can I tell you another secret in this deal? He works it out for your good. Romans 8, 28, we serve a God that works all things together. He works it out. I have a buddy now. Uh, when I was in Florida, um, I was pastoring a, a college ministry back home, and, um, and this, 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 this buddy of mine, he, he was one of the college kids uh, in the ministry uh, only for a short time. He had to uh, actually leave um, in the middle of the semester because he was having uh, health issues, um, um, having heart troubles. And, and so he moved back to Fort Lauderdale, and, and um, last week, I think he butt-dialed me because I answered, and, and I, I heard a conversation in Creole. Was, okay, so he's Haitian. 
Haitians speak Creole. It's like French. So they're speaking these other languages that, I, I, you know, I, when I finally got to them, bro, you, y'all having a prayer meeting? Y'all speaking in tongues? What y'all doing? Um, but anyway, so, so I'm, I'm having this conversation with him, and, and uh, you know, how, how things going? How you doing? How's life? Asking any, you know, not, not too deep that I thought until he just spilled out. His, he was living with his, his family, his mom and dad. They, they, uh, they got evicted from their home. So it's him, his mom, dad, brother, and sister, all homeless. He's living out of his car right now. And he was trying to save money so he could, uh, he could propose to his girlfriend. And he's like, man, honestly, it's just, it's just hard right now. And in that conversation, I'm going to be honest, like, um, bruh, I have no idea what that's like. But, but can, I, can I share something, though? Christ in Philippians chapter 4, uh, um, he, he, had, he had this dude named Paul that had gone through some, some I don't know if it's the same kind of situations, but, but some pretty rough situations. And he had this to share to these people in Philippians about being content at where he's at. And I don't know what that does for you right now in this moment other than to say, man, I just want to share this truth that God, he's, he's not forsaking you. He's not forgotten you. And it's so easy for us to, to feel that way. When we're going through a valley low moment, it, it is easy to put the blame on God because he doesn't love us or he doesn't, he, he's not thinking of us. But clearly he's, he's sovereign and he's working it out for our good. And I shared that with my buddy, and, and, and we prayed, and, and, and a day later or two, he texted me. He said, you know what? Um, I was looking for, you know, uh, some kind of financial deal. I was, you know, I've been going from my church to, you know, different organizations to see what they would do. And honestly, that was what I needed to hear, that this momentary situation, this light affliction is not even worth comparing to knowing Christ in a weight of eternal glory that's waiting on us. Super encouraged. And like my buddy, Paul also didn't allow his circumstances to drive him to despair or depression because he experienced a deeper joy that allowed him to conclude to Philippians 4.13. In Philippians 4.13, unfortunately, that's that's one of the most misquoted, misunderstood, mistaken out of context, context verses in the Bible. Because we, 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 Again, unfortunately, we, we look at it, that verse, to reinforce this attitude of us having this heroic or, or super Christian-like power to do anything. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus Christ and Paul's life was the evidence of his ability to, con- to be content when he was suffering in need. Christ is the only one who can supply us with our daily strength that we need to overcome obstacles set before us. 
Christ is not our steroids to help us over, super overachieve in these, in these humanistic moments. Christ is our supplier of strength that he gives for us to be his witness in all the earth. We are to be a reflection of Jesus. So what do we take from this, this passage and this message? The secret that Paul had, had learned was that a life hidden in Christ is the only satisfaction that will sustain, sustain us through all of life's trials and tribulations. Being content is a decision you make. And you make it over and over throughout a period of time that will help you realize Christ is enough. If you know what it, if you want to know how to be content, know Christ and know him crucified. Philippians 3.8 says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. Because of all the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered all, suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What area in your life are you discontent in? In this moment now, what I would like for us to do, um, Paul has been leading us, our Paul Latino, has been leading us through these moments of prayer times through our groups and at our tables. And so I want to piggyback off of that and get in groups of maybe two or three. And here's, here's what I would have for us to do. And I know it may seem weird or especially if you're first time like man I don't even I don't even believe in all this Jesus stuff like just be participate by listening sitting and hearing that's a that's a form of just participation um but I would ask if you're not a if you're not a Christian if you are just trying to figure it out just what, what, would that, what would a relationship with Christ look like? How would your life differ? And for the believer, for, for those of you here who follow Jesus, let's get into groups of, of three, no more than four. And as, you, as you're discussing of the areas that you kind of find discontentment in, let's pray for one another. Let's ask God to help us in this, in this, in this area of our lives so that he can be most glorified.